Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog, and welcome to episode number 14 of the podcast. Today is December 28th, 2006, and our guest is Dave Gledish, the Chief Technology Officer at Pelion Systems, um, a software company. But Dave's background uh, is in lean manufacturing, um, having worked at companies such as American Standard and Hewlett Packard. Now, not everyone in the, in the lean world loves technology, but Toyota certainly uses technology. As Jeff Leiker described in the, the book, The Toyota Way, um, Toyota uses well-tested technology that supports people and processes as opposed to using technology for technology's sake. So today we have an opportunity to ask Dave his thoughts on that topic and uh, get some ideas about how to properly integrate technology into your lean strategy. Well, Dave, it's great having you here on the podcast with us today. I really appreciate you taking time out and joining us. It's great to be here. Um, well, the first thing we wanted to talk about today, uh, and the thing that kind of brought you to my attention, was uh, an excellent piece you wrote for uh, for Industry Week. Um, it was called "Manufacturers Must Lean Forward, Not Backward," and and there'll be um, links to that uh, article on the uh, the Lean Blog website. And you know, I guess my synopsis of it was that it was at least it was written in response to uh, some comments that uh, uh, a U.S. Department of Government, uh, Department of Commerce official made uh, to a group in Michigan, kind of suggesting that you know lean was only about cutting costs and that the auto industry had to move beyond cutting costs through lean and Six Sigma, and you know, we needed to focus on innovation and the global marketplace and all sorts of buzzwords like that. Um, you know, can you tell me you know what? In, in, in hearing that, um, inspired you to write the piece and, and what your thoughts were, you know, in, in disagreeing with him. Sure. Uh, well, obviously, uh, you know, listening to that talk, that that was, uh, you know, in, in, in the auto industry targeted at largely auto executives up there in Traverse City, Michigan, uh, there's clearly some cost structure problems in, uh, in the, uh, you know, big three auto industry that still need addressing, um, so number one, uh, you know, cost cutting is still a priority. Um, yeah. Though the the real uh, issue was, I thought he had a, a poor definition of what lean really was and where it fit into the landscape. Um, and third, uh, you know, you, you also talked about you know some buzzwords of globalization and innovation. Uh, certainly, nobody argues with the need for the big three to innovate more. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know there there are some key elements to lean that are very uh, concrete uh, things that can be done um, to to implement and, and improve and they're not nebulous concepts. So uh, you know I thought it a good time to uh, put a stake in the ground and talk about you know uh, from my experience and what I see dealing daily with a whole landscape of customers. Lean really means to organizations today. Um, and it's not just cost cutting, though obviously costs are part of it. But uh, you know, doing a lot of work with Lean and Six Sigma, I, I think you, one could broadly say that that Lean really is about maximizing customer value. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing that with the minimum resources required, uh, but importantly, to do the job right. 
I mean, if you look at the, you know, 14 Toyota Way principles that a Jeffrey Liker would outline, a pretty good definition of what doing the job right would be. Um, but it really is, at the end of the day, about serving customers. Right. And uh, those companies that uh, really focus their entire business and activities on serving customers well, with minimum resources, streamlined process, um, maximized output, and reduced waste, obviously, uh, but also doing that job right. Uh, it applies to cutting costs, but it also applies to growing the business. And I guess that was my personal experience with the American Standard family of companies in the in the 1980s, where we, you know, used Lean and Six Sigma transformation to. Uh, initially rescue a a company that was subject to a hostile takeover, Mm. but really at the end of the day, it it was a growth engine for the company as we tripled the sales of the company while tripling inventory turns and uh, doubling productivity. But at the end of the day, it was was the top-line growth that was of the most value uh, from Lean. Yeah, and I I think a lot of... um people that that look at lean from a real traditional business standpoint that's very cost focused um i I guess it's natural that they would gravitate towards viewing lean or anything from that that bias of well if you know if cost is the most important thing anything that improves the business must therefore be a cost reduction method and maybe that's just you know all that that they're looking for and i mean i I think that's one of the things that's really powerful about lean is that it um it it kind of prompts you to take a little more broader view towards the business metrics and, and the goal of the, of the organization, you know, focusing on processes, not just on um, financial numbers. Absolutely. And if, if you look at, you know, I had the great opportunity to be working with, uh, you know, uh, the board of directors and, and being on the staff of the, the CEO of the company where, uh, you know, Lean is a great process, and it's a great business uh, methodology, and it is a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, way to manage the culture of the company. But at the end of the day, in the boardroom, uh, you're looking at gross margin expansion, uh, and you can expand gross margins uh, two ways. Uh, you can improve the, you can grow the top line, mm-hmm. and you can shrink the bot, the uh, cost uh, component uh, to give a, a healthier bottom line. Right. And Lean and Six Sigma are very effective tools for doing both of those. Um, but you can't always uh, cut costs to prosperity and growth. Uh, right. There's there's investment, there's innovation, there's um, process excellence, there's um, serving customers and delighting customers with superior service than your competition to grow market share. You mentioned some uh, some work, I assume, that you had done at American Standard. I was wondering if you could give us kind of a background of um, your career path through Lean or how you were first introduced um, to to Lean Concepts. Yes, I I can remember very specifically it was, uh, you know, I started out my career with General Motors, uh, and I was looking at a brand-new 1977 Honda Accord in Mm. the Buick Executive Garage, and said, wow, this, this car has a superior fit and finish to what we're building here at Buick. Uh, and that was the first introduction that something was different. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we migrated to some, you know, got involved with some single-minute exchange of dies and some basic Kanban techniques while at GM. But, but really, I spent my, uh, the, 
bulk of the 1980s with Hewlett Packard, uh, who at the time were really on the leading edge of Japanese manufacturing techniques. And, right. you know, we worked directly with Shigeo Yoshingo and we built, uh, uh, you know, new products designed to, to flow with Kanban techniques. And that's where I got into the application end in uh, not writing software, but developing requirements to support things like Kanban and back flushing and to eliminate production work orders, which we really didn't need to flow product. It was kind of a bottleneck uh, being caused by those system requirements. Of course, in the, the 1990s, as I mentioned, I spent with the American Standard family of companies, and you know, we did Lean and Six Sigma transformation across 85 plants and 35 countries and four major divisions and uh, lots of a variety of, of, of businesses, everything from commercial air conditioners for skyscrapers to truck braking systems to making toilets and brass hmm. faucets. But uh, Lean and Six Sigma principles applied uh, directly to all those businesses. I apologize. I don't know if you heard the doorbell. And I don't know if this counts as overproduction, but a contractor who was supposed to be here <laughs> tomorrow decided to show up today, which I guess is fine other than the, uh, other than the interruption. Um, uh, and and I didn't want to interrupt you, so actually I, I apologize. It's very rude of me, actually. I stepped away for a minute while you're in the middle of your story. Um, can you kind of catch me up I'm oh, sorry, okay. real quick just so we can kind of try to – Transition. I'll, you know, yeah, uh, okay. you know, I, I talked about it. Uh, are you? Do you want to record it, or do you just want me to catch up? D- did you get to work with uh, with Shingo directly? Yes. Yes. Um, you know what we did at HP. Uh, I was in a plant in northern Colorado, uh, which uh, we had plants in Fort Collins. Greeley and Loveland, uh, Colorado, as well as uh, south of there in Colorado Springs. Uh And HP developed a a just-in-time consortium uh, of those plants, and that's where, uh, you know, we brought folks like Shigio Shingo, Schoenberger, Robert Hall in, um, lots of, um, uh, you know, lectures, seminars, uh, a variety of our version of a Kaizen event going Mm -hmm. to different plants and doing re-engineering. Uh, many people remember an old styrofoam block video that was done uh, at HP, kind of mm, showing right, uh, right. Uh, eliminating waste and the sins of overproduction and how to deploy a pull system. Well, that was all going on um, at HP at the time, and uh, you know we were trying to figure out what, and in many ways, decipher uh, what some of the uh, pure techniques were uh, using the, you know, the old Green Book uh, from Shango mm-hmm. on the. Uh, Toyota production system, and of course those texts were updated and then then supplemented, obviously, initially with the the likes of Schoenberger and uh, Hall. Uh, Zero Inventory uh, was uh, a a very important book at the time, and Mm -hmm. we were doing some things uh, in factories in concert with Apex as well, was supporting a lot of the effort, and so kind of had some uh, leading-edge, just-in-time manufacturing taking place in those four plants in Colorado. Well, that, that was certainly quite the all-star team to have um, assembled uh, at, at that time. I'm sure it was uh, exciting working with them. Going to ask I mean, do you have any stories of, of working with uh, with Shingo? Uh, mostly, uh, what we were doing was, you know, eliciting uh, knowledge. We we had uh, roundtable discussions and mm-hmm. and some seminars with him. Uh, we didn't do the kind of uh, hands-on kaizen with Shingo that uh, that you. You know, it evolved to more in the 80s where they were walking the floor and doing some of these. This, this was more of a, a lecture and a roundtable discussion. So. Sure. 
And so it, it's interesting to me. I mean, you've seen lean and a lot of different industries, and and I'm, I'm sure that's helped see what what the common threads are that that aren't necessarily auto industry specific or kind of lean from a more conceptual level. Would you say that that's the case? Yes, absolutely. And um, you know, not only well, I think, and again, you know, American Standard is a is a perfect example in that we had everything from just in time daily deliveries in Europe with Westinghouse Air Brake Company to Mercedes Benz or Scania and Volvo of truck brake systems, a kind of a repetitive model mm-hmm. uh, to. Uh, high-mix seasonal manufacturing in the train air conditioning company making residential air conditioners, uh, somewhere air conditioners with optional heat pumps. And, mm-hmm. by the way, um, you know, 60% of the, the sales volume occurred in a two- or three-month period, so yeah. you had a big seasonal swing yeah. on air conditioners. And look at out, here comes furnaces for the winter. So, <laughs> you know, kind of medium-volume high-mix in the in – the, uh, residential air conditioning business, then let's go over to train commercial where you're building chillers at five to seven a day, you know, large conference room size pieces of equipment that go in the basement or the, the roof of a skyscraper, mm-hmm. highly configured to order, um, to, you know, making toilets. So yeah. uh, in that company, there were a whole variety of different processes, different cultures, 35 countries around the world manufacturing processes. But Lean really gave us a common manufacturing language. Um, it really gave us a dedication to process. Mm-hmm. It really enabled us to always have a focus on customer requirements and, and, and pulling uh, through the process based on customer demand, whether you were making uh, a configured-to-order product or uh, a high-volume product that had some inventory uh, in the pipeline, we would we would replenish the demand. We wouldn't build the schedule or build the mm-hmm. forecast. We'd still do some uh, demand replenishment, even though there were inventory through the pipeline. Sure. Um, but that that dedication to process, as an example, uh, let us uh, you know the the uh, uh, U.S. Pump plumbing products. Uh, Large, largest customer emerged in the 80s as Home Depot. And not only did we have to supply them product, but, uh, you know, funny thing kind of happened is the, the big box retailers grew. Uh, they were opening two and a half stores a week at mm-hmm. one point mm-hmm. in our life cycle with Home Depot. Go back to um, mapping processes and designing uh, the flow of information, uh, material, and products to meet customer requirements. We developed a store opening process for Home Depot that led them to embrace American Standard as you know the Golden mm-hmm. Hammer Supplier of the Year two years in a row. Because mm, not only did we supply them product, but we we used Lean and Six Sigma to reduce variation and and delight their um, uh, their buyers with the kind of service we gave not only in supplying product but in opening stores. Yeah, so there's a perfect example of how it wasn't only about cutting costs. Lean was really opening doors and, and creating new business. It sounds like that's that's really great example. Um, I want to transition a little bit into what you're doing currently. Um, if you could tell us briefly about Pelion Systems, um, where you work currently, how your lean experience has kind of transitioned into um, what you're doing now and, and what it is that Pelion is, uh, is doing within the lean world. Sure. Um, well, uh, you know, Pelion uh, provides uh, both uh, you know, point applications or, or individual workbenches to, to 
provide tools for lean transformation and, and management. Uh, we also have a, a, a lean manufacturing operating system, a highly integrated system uh, bolted on to existing ERP and supply chain management capability. And then we also provide consulting uh, directly with our lean masters as well as with different education partners and implementation partners. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, the combination of those services we hope to really enable customers' teams to to not just, um, um, you know, be uh, doing lean, but actually running and, and, and living, uh, you know, a lean uh, capability in their business. Uh, and there is a technology component to what we do and kind of where that came from. Uh, uh, you know, at American Standard, uh, we recognize to really bring all 85 plants up to the same high level of performance, um, we needed standard work in our technology to support Lean and Six Sigma. Uh, we developed uh, technology for Six Sigma data collection all across the company. Uh, we did uh, developed uh, high junk level loading and demand smoothing technology to drive some of the kinds mm -hmm. of seasonal management uh, problems I, I mentioned at Train Residential before. Mm -hmm. And we used um, a technology for standard work for sequence of events change management and so forth. And, and we invested uh, significant uh, uh, effort and in, in, in money into technology because it was the only way we could um, take that global company uh, to the, to the kind of sustaining the great things we had already accomplished and kind of getting the next 50%, if you will, the second half of our bottom line lean improvements. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, I mentioned at HP, we built uh, application functionality to enable things that were missing in our systems to do Kanban, to do back flushing, and, and to eliminate production orders and work orders that we really didn't need to move product. Our signaling systems on the floor were doing it. So, yeah. you know, so over time, I, I realized in my direct involvement with Lean that technology had a role to play. Pelion was founded in '96 as an enterprise application company. Mm -hmm. um, as they came to market in the late '90s with that product, that space was somewhat crowded. And the founder said, "You know, if we could layer a meaningful applica business application on top of this toolkit, that by its nature required lots of integration, maybe we'd have something." Mm -hmm. And uh, Ken Stone really felt that uh, lean manufacturing more and more would be a supply chain execution methodology of methodology of choice for more and more manufacturers. So the company embarked on building lean manufacturing capability and taking advantage of the emerging internet collaboration technologies. Sure. So in, in 2000, we uh, introduced the first electronic Kanban web portal in the world. Uh, in 2001, we came out with our you know, kind of first Pelion 1.0 that had both lean engineering uh, to define and design factories. Then uh, we emerged with demand manager to do high junka scheduling and lean scheduling, as well as uh, electronic Kanban, and then uh, improve capability to, to to support the continuous improvement process. So, sure. At the end of the day, uh, you know what business problem are we solving? I, uh, you know, I kind of see three three types of companies out there today. If if you look at Toyota and the Toyota production system. Um, you know, they've really been at this for 50 years. It's Lean is baked into the genetic code mm -hmm. 
at all right. levels of the organization at Toyota. And companies today that aren't leveraging a lean asset still have some implementation or or extension of lean capability to go. You know, they maybe don't have uh, the the time to to do all of the. Um, kinds of genetic modifications that Toyota mm-hmm. did. Or you, you can look at a Dell computer. Dell computer designed a fundamental business model that was lean from the ground up. So so day one that company was built with a you know a, a dedication to process and a lean thought process. Yeah, I've, I've, I used to work at I, actually I used to work at Dell, and and you're right. I mean, they have a very specific DNA that you know their their whole business is built around that that direct selling business model, which is um, a very unique thing. I mean, it's it's different in a lot of ways from Toyota production system, but it's similar in in the sense that it's really hard for their competitors to copy because something is either really ingrained versus something you're you're trying to change to the way you know the current day HP Compaq and you know different. Dell competitors struggle with, right? And and so you know we see a we see a role of technology and can it answer some of those questions? Can can technology uh, further enable and accelerate culture change? Uh, can technology provide uh, uh, you know rapid ways to uh, you know significantly change and migrate processes, though we may not be able to redesign the fundamental business model, can we, um, with with agility and effective risk management, drive the kind of change that an IBM or an HP would need to compete with a Dell business model? Mm-hmm. Uh, or for companies that find a significant gap against a competitor, um, and use the American Standard example with a hostile takeover, can we respond more rapidly with technology mm-hmm. than without technology to some external factors. And that's really some of the, the, the types of things that, that we try to support with technology, sure. as well as, um, you know, the fundamental two things that, um, that, that, that don't change, and that is that, uh, you know, change is a constant in business. And, um, you know, lean is not a, uh, a one-time event where you do lean and then you move on right. to the next program. Um, so, you know, as an example, uh, Brooks Automation was a customer of ours. It was a great lean company, had all kinds of Kanban permeated all through the company, which I see as a real significant key to the difference between somebody that's that's doing lean and somebody that's really running mm-hmm. lean. Are they Do they really have pull production baked across the whole organization? Well, they had gone about as far as they could with their spreadsheets and, and using Gloviet ERP to manage some mm-hmm. of that. Uh, they brought a, a Pelion in for our elect, electronic and Kanban management tools, and, and a very lean company in, within 12 months was able to reduce inventories 25% across the company and better respond mm-hmm. to changing okay. demands. Great. So even though they had lots of capability in place, technology enabled them to take it to the next mm-hmm. level. So. It's, it's why we built uh, demand planning capability for train air conditioning. Uh, talk about Clarksville, Tennessee, uh, our largest uh, uh, light to medium commercial air conditioning plant in the mm-hmm. world, huge uh, campus. Um, we had completely moved from a push conveyance system to, to pull production with uh, you know, visible signaling systems, but we had 250 people tied to a production line. 
and without some of the demand planning and resource planning analytics uh, in a highly mixed model environment, we continued to fall back to worst-case staffing mm-hmm. levels. We didn't really push the envelope on productivity until we had the demand planning engine that really could show the kind of resource levels and where the right place to staff was against mixed then we were able to really liberate some of the productivity. It was a $3 million a year mm. savings. And just weren't able to do it without the technology. Yeah. And it sounds like an, an example of instead of viewing Lean as a you know an isolated tool in a department, they started looking at Lean as a, a method for running the business, not just manufacturing, but demand, sales, different pieces of, of the company that interact with each other, right? A- absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that's... Again, one of the, you know, uh, one of the areas for where technology can help, um, you know, creating a, you, you talk about, you know, production always says, well, sales always gives us bad information and sales always <laughs> right. says, well, production can ever ask us the right questions, you know, um, or they look at things in a different slice of the world uh, than we do. Uh, you know, we're looking at families or products, they're looking at SKUs and, and so forth. Um, Technology can can kind of provide some concrete mm-hmm. so, tools for dialogue and ways to enable that conversation to happen. You know, whether you're you're looking out at putting in new plant and equipment, or whether you're looking at running the plant today and sizing inventory, or whether you're looking at doing some advanced sales and operations planning for next year, um, technology can 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 use that knowledge you've gained from your lean. Uh, activities and, and and bring sales and production together is a perfect example. Sure. And you know, talk about the role of technology. I, I, you mentioned uh, the Toyota Way and Jeff Liker and the you know the fourteen principles of the Toyota Way. Um, you know, one of those I wanted to ask you about. You know, principle eight um, talks about technology, and, and that point is to only use reliable, thoroughly tested technology that that serves your people and processes. And, you know, the thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, in in the lean world, um, you know, kind of notoriously anti-technology, a lot of that coming from, I think, you know, Toyota developing their system in an era where there weren't a lot of uh, tools available or, you know, classic MRP was the only tool available. Um, But do do you think, did it help? Um, You know, I think the, the Liker book, Helped illustrate to people that Toyota does use technology, uh, but they try to be you know pretty smart about it, and you know as, as that point says, use it to support people, to support business processes. Um, has has that mindset shifted? Do you think within the lean world is it is it helping Pelion um, find people that that will let you approach them to to even talk about technology instead of just blindly saying, well, if we're doing lean, technology is bad. Well, it's it's an excellent discussion topic. Uh, there's there's still a range of positions on that. Uh, you know, there. Uh, you know, clearly. Uh, you know, I think one of the. You know, fundamental uh, reasons why lean and Toyota production system techniques have been um, effective is that you know they involve people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they involve the entire organization. Um, they're very tactile and hand, hands-on approaches. Uh, you know, uh, go and see. You know, don't make assumptions until you've actually gone out and touched the process right. and understood. You know uh, exactly what's going on out there. All of those are, are are critical reasons why the methods are successful against others that 
you know, plant manager or the CEO says, hey, I think this is a great idea. You guys go implement this and come back and tell me when you're done is a lot different than when the CEO and the vice presidents and the, the, the management team roll up their sleeves and, and jump into the, the trench with everybody and, and experience together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that being said, uh, you know, that technology really is not an inhibitor uh, to those types of concepts. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, technology can be an accelerant, uh, as well as technology is often necessary in mm-hmm. today's complex businesses with high rates of change, with with you know demand changes, uh, product life cycles decreasing, uh, suppliers uh, you know uh, transitioning from uh, you know out uh, outsourcing from uh, you know from a vertically integrated business to spreading that more out across the supply chain and supply chain partners. I mean, there's so much change out there that companies have found that, you know what, if I don't integrate my technology effectively with these lean and Toyota production system concepts, Mm -hmm. I can't manage change. I can't anticipate next year. Mm -hmm. I can't deploy standards effectively across a broad enterprise because I've got, you know, everybody kind of doing things somewhat, uh, uh, you know, from their own experience, and it, it may miss on economy. So there, there are definitely places where technology mm-hmm. can help. The problem is that uh, in the benefit of, you know, your principal eight, use reliably, thoroughly technology, thoroughly tested technology that serves people and processes. You know, the experimentation is important, mm-hmm. uh, proof of concept, uh, and then growing from, uh, you know, it's why I think more and more software companies today have very flexible modular solutions that can be deployed. You know, you can dip your feet in the water. You don't have to buy the whole $100 million enchilada and try and, you know, swallow the elephant one bite sure. like we tried to do with a lot of the, the ERP rollouts mm-hmm. in the 90s, right? Um, so I think uh, software companies are being more flexible and agile just as the production processes and supply chain processes sure. that they serve so that um, you, you can test these things. Uh, everybody that we talk to, uh, you know, once you know, solid customer references. Mm-hmm. Go take me to a, another plant that's doing this. So, uh, you know, people are looking for thoroughly tested technology. Sure. It, With that, uh, there's a lot of people that are starting to embrace uh, technology. Yeah. Now, you mentioned, you know, ERP, and, you know, I think maybe one challenge uh, I would imagine for a software company is that people in a lot of companies have to some extent been burned by software in the past or promises that, you know, whether it was MRP or MRP2 or ERP or, you know, APS and advanced supply chain solutions. It seems like there's always um, something new that's out that, uh, you know, is you know, making up for the problems in, in the previous generation. And I'm, I'm, I'm by no means singling out um, I'm Pelion for this. Um, it, it's a question I would ask any software, no, any sure. software vendor. But you know, is it uh, is it difficult to kind of come to people um, who who maybe have some scars, um, you know, about the promises of technology? And, and maybe the last part of the of the question, uh, realizing it's kind of a multi part question. Uh, one of the things that's brought up quite often on the blog by myself and some others, um, you know, it's kind of our, our pet peeves about software marketing. That you know, it seems like 
uh, a lot of a lot of software vendors kind of promise a, a magic bullet solution in regards to lean or or other business problems that you know if if you only had this piece of software, you know everything would be solved. And you know I think you know partly shame on the customers that you know that might be susceptible to that that may be looking for a magic bullet instead of really you know working on their processes internally. But you know what what are your what are your views on on those challenges? Right, and, and you know, it would be great if it were simply, uh, you know, you could pull out a check sheet, click a, you know, on the right boxes, and push a button, and you know, there was a software solution that magically, um, you know, transformed us from traditional manufacturing <laughs> right. to lean, then, then loaded everything up and let us run that way, and by the way, was already at you know, rapidly at work at our next Kaizen improvement uh, technologies. <laughs> right. And that's that, that silver bullet simply doesn't exist. Um, however, because that silver bullet doesn't exist, um, you know, that doesn't mean that uh, uh, the technology is not uh, a, a definite uh, enabling technology or an accelerator or in many cases required to deal with some of the complex problems that are that are out there that you know lean on the back of an envelope just really isn't going to deal effectively mm-hmm. with. Um, so uh, you know, yes, there's there's a tremendous amount of uh, uh, war stories and scars on uh, uh, CIOs and IT managers' backs uh, from uh, poorly conceived technology rollouts as well as poorly managed mm-hmm. technology rollouts. Um, you know, we had a, a you know a very expensive ERP transformation at American Standard during the '90s, and that wasn't all the fault of the ERP supplier. Um, you know, a lot of people have tried to hire consultants to come in and and design your business processes, right. configure your systems, and implement right. it. Well, they don't know anything about the business. Um, technology tools are, are there to enable the, the, the subject matter experts mm-hmm. and the people that do the critical work in the process uh, to do it better tomorrow than they did it today, um, to vision ways that they can even do it better next month and next quarter, right. and then to provide a, a bridge and a path for them to uh, implement those changes predictably without wandering and uh, with managing risks of change, uh, but but pretty consistently, so that you do progress and you don't wander. Um, so it's it is a difficult balancing act. But I think that what you'll see more and more in technology providers is just as Pelion. We have a very modular, uh, you know, menu of applications that you can pick and choose to, you know, if it's electronic Kanban that, that, that you're at the next phase of development, you want to do that, well, we can, you know, we can package a, a targeted solution for that. Or if it's, if it's, you know, line design or lean engineering, you can just pick that piece up. Or if you got some things going and you just want to do some high junk level loading on your schedule, well, you can pick that piece out and run with mm-hmm. that. Um, Ideally, we'd love everybody to say, boy, you guys are so smart at Pelion. you got all this figured out. Give me everything today, and I'll roll it out immediately. But at the end of the day, nobody does sure. that. Yeah. However, building from a base, getting really good, implementing it, testing it, integrating it into the organization, people then build more capability as it meets their needs. So, uh, that's, just the, that's just the software game today. Yeah. So is, it's your view that software industry is, is, has progressed and – you know, is is learning from some of the the mistakes, you know, not just 
in the way software is designed, but the, the rollout and, and the implementation of um, software and business processes, right? More, more and more companies clearly have, have evolved. And, and secondly, I would also say that, um, uh, Mark, that, you know, at Pelion, we don't do anything without, uh, you know, clearly defined project charter with some clear metrics um, and, uh, you know, nine times out of ten a clear and compelling uh, bottom line uh, cash and and uh, profit improvement focus to each major element of a project or program mm-hmm. so such that um, companies don't spend a long period of time kind of boiling an ocean and, and doing things that, that seem good but the the financial champions of the company don't stand up and say this is this is compelling to our top line and our bottom line um, because I can connect the dots with it. So I think that's a difference to yeah. more and more companies are offering, you know, guarantees mm-hmm. or, or you know, fixed time to, to, you know, performance delivery and those types of things. Yeah. And it sounds like companies um, that are looking um, at, at software aren't having the swing for the fences anymore with that, you know, $100 million, uh, you know, one shot that they're they're able to kind of take things in a, a more progressive way. Uh, you know, step-at-a-time type approach, which I'm sure is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dave, I really want to thank you for being here today and, and sharing some of your experiences with Lean and, and some insights into uh, the, the world of technology applied to Lean. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Mark, and I've enjoyed our discussion. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For Lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.